This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Johnson cleared up the boards, held in by Zadorov, long shot, Raven and they score! Sam Lafferty digs it home. Canucks take a 1-0 lead at 2-0-5 of the second period. Thompson left circle, pass the side of the ball for Tuck, center, pass back door. What a save by Demko! He robs Casey Middlestad with the glove, picked it out of the air tremendously, and it's still 1-0 Canucks with 90 seconds left in the second period. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Heronic far corner. Kicks the puck ahead to Miller. Turns it over to the slot. Paterka is robbed by Demko. J.J. Paterka got a perfect pass off the stick of G.T. Miller right into the slot in the Vancouver zone. And Demko was ready and waiting to hold it out. Demko plays the hero again. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks blank the Sabres 1-0, fifth straight victory. They continue to blister through the seven-game road trip. One game left in Columbus. Godspeed to the Canucks getting out of Buffalo with a snowstorm and a travel ban uh, looming. But they've finished the game with a victory. It's Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Those are the numbers to call. You can also hit us up on our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox, 650-650. We are going to bring in Brandon Bachelor into the conversation, doing the postgame hit with us here, coming up in just a moment moment but I mean pretty ugly game to be honest yeah like, you know it wasn't the most entertaining game it wasn't a swashbuckling back and forth game I'm not sure the Canucks played fantastically well I'm not sure the Buffalo Sabres were any better but one thing I'm sure of is the Canucks just kept finding ways to keep finding ways to win hockey games and honestly they didn't really give Buffalo much outside of the first and the final couple of minutes as they were pushing for the equalizer. Yeah, there was a bit on the power play earlier in the third period as well where you know they hit the post, they have a chance there as well. But by and large, um, I'm just trying to bring up the high dangers, but if it's above seven, I'd be stunned. Yeah, it's 5-5 five, five at 5-on-5 five five for uh, both teams, which is feels like it, it fo- follows the pattern uh, that we saw through the game. And, you know, it's been mentioned before, too, by Rick Tockett of learning when to play tired and learning to play in different scenarios. This, to me, strikes me as a, a game that they learned to play because they've been redlining for four games Yeah, here. You knew there was going to be a drop-off at some point. And so, okay, there's a drop-off here in this spot, and they still get their two points. So, uh, certainly no complaints, I imagine, from the players uh, and certainly not from the uh Staff as well. No, I mean, you can, again, it wasn't the cleanest performance, but I, I can't sit here and say Buffalo was a better team. Let's bring in Batch into the discussion. Not the cleanest game from Vancouver, but what did you think overall about the performance versus what the Sabres had to offer? You're right, not a clean game. You know, they at times looked like a tired road team. I didn't think they established their forecheck as effectively as we've seen them do in certain games on this road trip, but they battled and they dug in and they clawed and they did what they had to do. And Demko came up with some timely saves for them and they continue to find a way to win games. And this is an encouraging win for me because this is the kind of win that you need to gut out late in the season into the playoffs. You win by one goal, your fourth line scores, you just put the work boots on. You do what you have to do. It was chippy at times. Um, you know, they, they had to battle through the, the Sabres running around a bit in the later portion of the second period. But they got the job done. They got the two points at the end of the night, and they've won five in a row as they look to wrap up the road trip in Columbus on Monday. 
And it's uh, Thatcher Demko who does it again, his fourth shutout on the year. Coming into the season, he had three. And now he's uh, surpassed his career total, uh, extending it to seven uh, so far. And, you know, there, there was a couple of five-alarm moments, the one on the Paterka late and obviously Middlestad a couple of times as well. But uh, there he is uh, once again uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, thinking back to the, the great A's that the Sabres had tonight uh, as you guys were talking about it. And as we are talking right now, they are revealing that there will be five Canucks at the NHL All-Star Game on the TV broadcast. They've just unveiled Miller, Besser, Demko, and Pedersen are all joining Hughes at the NHL All-Star Game. So that's exciting stuff for Canuck fans, certainly. And so Demko, with an All-Star performance this afternoon, uh, didn't have a ton of work. Canucks, you know, suppressed shots relatively effectively. But you're right, Middlestat has two great A's. The one on the power play, especially, I thought that glove save was really good. He's right there to stop Paterka, you know, in the late stages with the Sabres pressuring. Got some help from his post, too. Alex Tuck in the first few seconds of the third period. Dylan Cousins had a one-timer from the left circle as well. But, um, you know, goaltenders will always say if they're hitting the post, it means I had the net covered. So uh, you've got to be very happy with how Demko played today. And I think defensively, the Canucks were good in front of him, even if they weren't as high-flying offensively as maybe we've seen from them to this point in the road trip. They didn't give the Sabres a lot, save for those chances that I just listed, and Demko came up big for them to close out the victory. Yeah, and, and I think you're right about Demko making a, a few big saves on the PK, especially the middle stat one. Obviously, the glove save uh, was it late in the second period. It was an incredible save. And I thought in the first period, there were some, a, a lot of moments where Buffalo was getting some chances in close. They were getting rebound chances. The Canucks have been really good at not giving up too many high-danger chances near the net front, and also they haven't given up a lot of rebound chances. But outside of that sequence in the first, I, I can't really think of anything they gave up five-on-five. Five. So yeah, you're right. Not the cleanest game, not a perfect game, but I still thought the Canucks were the better team on the ice compared to Buffalo tonight. Yeah, you know, in in that they they just sort of shut this game down at times. And, yeah. you know, the Sabres were trying to create and, you know, maybe I, I don't have the possession numbers in front of me. It certainly felt like from the eye test that Buffalo had the puck a lot, but they didn't do a lot with it. And, you know, a different style of game, as I said, from what we've seen with the lotto line just filling the net over the last week or so. Um, but a maybe more effective game in terms of a sustainable way to win because the lot of line's been good, make no mistake about it, uh, but they're not going to produce at the crazy pace. What was it, 27 points in four games coming into this one? Obviously, none of them hit the score sheet with this one today with the only goal coming from Lafferty and the assist from Zadorov. So, you know... In the playoffs, sometimes your top guys are going to be nullified by whatever matchup they're going to face. And what's going to make the difference? Can you get scoring from your depth players? They get a goal from their fourth line. Can you shut the game down defensively and make sure you don't give the other team easy offense? And the Canucks didn't give the Sabres very much, if any, easy offense in the game today. Yeah, just looking at some of the possession numbers here, uh, Buffalo had the puck in the Canucks zone, 13 minutes and 10 seconds. Team's usually around that 12-30 mark, so it's not an overwhelming amount. And and they 
again, as you said, they didn't really try to create anything. And I guess this is a way, you know, we've, we've spoken so much about how great this team has been so far this year, obviously sending five players to the All-Star game. But, you know, winning in different ways to me is, is a mark of a good team as well. You know, we talk about certain things like don't lose three games in a row and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, the, the personality of each game is different and you have to adapt to whatever the game is. And, and they've now shown that, they hey, slower paced games, they can handle those as well. Yeah, and the way you play in each game is going to be different too. Like this is the end of a four-game-in-six-night stretch, right? Like they've had a busy week. They played three games in four nights, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, against tough teams that gave them relatively tough games. Certainly the game against the Penguins. Obviously they had to go to overtime. And so you're you're not going to have your fastball all 82 games. You're not going to be perfectly healthy and ready to go and feeling fresh every single game. And, you know, this was also an earlier start, albeit, you know, a day game in Vancouver, four o'clock start in Buffalo. So it's not quite like the the 10 a.m., 1 p.m. Eastern time matinee game that they're going to play on Monday. But some of the early starts have given the Canucks trouble and uh, finding a way to get the win, regardless of whether you weren't playing at your best or you're tired. It's the end of a long road trip. You've been away from home from a, for a while. You're probably starting to think about the opportunity to come back home and see your family and see your pets and your kids and everything like that. But to just dig in and get the job done in spite of all of that is something that's impressive. And again, I hearken back to the fact that you got to be comfortable in one goal games and you got to be comfortable closing out games. And the Canucks continue to close out games where they take a lead to the third period, by the way. That number continues to tick up. Now 26 and 0 when up going to the third period. And that is something that experience, you know, regardless of whether they remain undefeated in that scenario all the way through this year, the experience of knowing how to close out games and knowing how to close out games in different ways is going to be important for this team when the games start to really matter come April and beyond. You know, one thing I, I, I liked watching this game tonight as much as I should say tonight I mean this afternoon as much as Buffalo was chasing the Canucks around after uh, JT Miller had that big hit on Rasmus Dahlin who did come back to the game afterwards and everything and he got assessed a two-minute elbowing minor they did review it for a five-minute major but ended up just going with a two-minute elbowing minor and then uh, Owen Power got a penalty for jumping and and trying to fight uh, uh, JT so it was offsetting penalties not a big deal or anything but from that moment on the Sabres were really chasing after Quinn Hughes and Pedersen but really going after Quinn Hughes and trying to exact a level of revenge and they were headhunting and all that but I thought the Canucks did a really good job of maintaining their composure and just snuffing that game out and I was impressed that they didn't get distracted by the sideshow yeah and the way those guys handled being targeted was impressive too because make no mistake about it as the season goes forward and the games start to mean more and more teams are going to take liberties with your top players. And so you need to be able to not lose your composure, not get running around, not send your team to the penalty kill all the time when that happens. But then also your star players have to be able to withstand that extra attention. And I thought Hughes and Pedersen did a good job of, you know, still continuing to impact the game in a positive way in spite of the fact that the Sabres were taking some liberties with them and taking some runs at them. And again, Like postseason hockey, these are all things we're going to be talking about with this team and things that are going to be a reality. You don't think whoever they get in the first round is going to try and, you know, take runs at Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson whenever they get a chance? Of course they are. That's part of the the intensity and the way the game ratchets up when you get to the postseason. So 
I wouldn't go as far as to say this game had a playoff-like atmosphere, but it had some of the characteristics that you see more regularly in playoff hockey, and I thought the Canucks handled those elements of the game very well. The lotto line, Hughes, Ronick, and even that Bluger line takes so much attention, right? And we're sitting there talking about that's uh, you know eight players already that we're, we're, we're chalking up. Some of the depth players kind of get overlooked. I thought Carson Soucy, like – Every game since he's returned, I thought there would be you know a struggle for timing and everything like that. It hasn't shown up. I thought he was the best player in the first period, and it just feels like everything's just so calm when he gets on the ice. Yeah, he's he's been great. I you know quiet, which is great for a defenseman like him. Like he's not jumping up and creating a ton of offense. I believe you know prior to this game, he only had one shot on goal in his four games back in the lineup. But he's a plus four. He's logging big minutes for them. You know, north of twenty minutes in two of the previous four games, and uh, I'm not sure what he finished with tonight, but uh, continues to be another stable presence, and and you just feel that much more confident about the way this blue line is rolling when they have Susie in the lineup. But didn't play quite as much tonight, just shy of 18 minutes uh, by the official score sheet, but uh, blocks a couple of shots, has one hit to his his stat line in the game today but snuffed a lot of plays out helped them transition effectively at times I thought and and just quietly does his job and for defensemen not named Quinn Hughes and Philip Heronic that's really what you need from them and Susie has given them that since he's been back in the lineup I agree I think he's been very good Uh, I I I agree I I really like the way Carson Susie has played and and I thought tonight uh Overall, like I said, the only sequence I didn't like from the Canucks 5-on-5 was in the first period where they gave up a bit too much in close. But from that point on, they really snuffed the game out. And as far as this road trip goes now, they're 5-1 and one batch. And I think we all kind of looked at it and said, well, they lost that game against the, the Blues to begin this road trip. It's going to make it tough to come away with a winning record the rest of this trip. And they just essentially laughed at us and reeled off five straight victories. So when we look at the game in Columbus, and hopefully the Canucks get to Columbus on time, and when yeah. we mention a, a travel ban, so at 9 p.m. Eastern time in Buffalo tonight, there are no more flights allowed out of Buffalo because of impending snowstorm, weather's really bad, and it's going to be really bad tomorrow. So if you don't get out of Buffalo on time, you're probably stuck there until Monday, which means the Monday game could be postponed. Now, I don't think it's going to get to that point here, Batch, but... You hope not, You hope sure. not, but that's certainly something to keep an eye on the next few hours here to see how Vancouver gets out of Buffalo, but... Considering they're 5-1 and one on the road trip, does the game in Columbus even matter at this stage? Well, it does because you want to continue to extend your lead atop the Pacific Division, continue mm-hmm. to rack up points, and you've got the Blue Jackets twice this month before the All-Star break, and they are a team that you need to be collecting four points against. They've only got 35 points from 42 games, 13 wins. They're 28th in the NHL right now, and those are points that other teams around you or below you in the standings will generally be picking up. So, um, you know, yes, they've done very well. They're going to come home at the very worst, 5-2 and two on a road trip. That's absolutely spectacular. But Rick Tockett has talked so much lately about raising the bar and raising the standard. So as much as, yeah, it'll still be a great road trip if they lose on Monday, none of those guys will be happy to lose to that Columbus team if that does indeed happen. And the more points you can... Uh, Uh, put in the bank now the more comfortable you feel about your playoff positioning about potentially locking up home ice advantage like that's something we can talk about now potentially you know continuing to extend your lead at the top of the division and and the Canucks are really starting to separate themselves now 61 points so eight points up 
on Vegas, uh, you know, even more than that on L.A., although the Kings have some games in hand there. But, um, you know, every game continues to be important for this team to continue their process, to continue building and preparing uh, for what is to come down the stretch the rest of the way. And absolutely, they will be looking at that as a game that they need to win to finish the road trip 6-1 and one and continue their winning ways as they come back home for five in a row heading into the All-Star break, which will be a shorter break for five of their players heading to Toronto. Yeah, well, you can make the case winning begets winning, and then you get greedy. So I'm, all, I'm with you there. I mean, hey, pick up as many points as you can. Batch, great stuff calling the game alongside Randeep, and uh, look forward to chatting with you on Monday, hopefully early Monday morning, uh, as yeah. the Canucks play, supposed to play the Columbus Blue Jackets on Martin Luther King Day, and that means a 10 a.m. start local time here in Vancouver. Yeah, and you guys will be on the air at 9 a.m. for the pregame show right out of Halford and Bruff. Hopefully we will chat to you then. Yes, let's, let's hope so. Thanks, Batch. Thank you. Uh, that is Brendan Batchelor. Great insight as always. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And Batch mentioned four other Canucks have been voted into the All-Star game. And, and, a, and a, you know what? A round of applause to Canucks fans. You're the ones who voted them in. I mean, you did a lot of work here to ensure that those four guys got in. And that is Quinn Hughes was a first like he was already selected to the All-Star game. So Pedersen, Besser, Demko, and JT Miller. And here's the... And by the way, don't forget, Rick Tockett, coaching. He's coaching. And here's the crazy part. I can make the case they could have sent one more guy, Philip Hironik. Yeah. You could have. You can make the case they didn't, even, they didn't send enough Canucks. That's how ridiculous the season has been, that they're sending five guys to the All-Star game, four guys were just voted in. You can still make the argument maybe one other guy still deserved to make it. What a tremendous campaign this Canucks team is putting together. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. This one says, it's a five-and-a-half-hour drive. They might bust if they can't drive. It depends. The weather's really bad. Like, the weather in yeah. Buffalo is so bad that they're telling people not to drive and not to fly. So, if they get... St- and, and honestly, I think they still have right now two hours yeah. to get out of Dodge, so to speak. Might be I think enough they'll time. be okay. But it's just to kind of illuminate what's going on and why there was a bit of trepidation about the start time for the game and whether they would have enough time afterwards to get out of Buffalo. Uh, I th- believe... Um, let me bring this up here because I think David Quadrelli from Canucks Army tweeted out that the flight was scheduled for 8 o'clock. So, Better again, boogie. It's, it's, it's tight. We've all been in that scenario where you, you know... The Uber's late, and you're like, dude, I got to get to the gate 48. You check in. It's like, no, no, it's actually gate 72. You got to run even further. It's one of those moments. Yeah. One of those moments. Uh, I, I hear that. Uh, and Jazzy says the Canucks versus the Leafs all-star game. That's crazy. Yeah, four Toronto Maple Leafs I, well. I'm going to be interested because it's a player draft this year, right? Yeah. Do all five end up on the same team? Uh, somebody was texting in, and I can't find it right now, but said uh, you, JT Miller and Darlene could be teammates. <laughs> How awkward. Very awkward. How awkward. Less awkward for JT because, you know, Canucks are, are winning. Maybe not so much. We'll see if we can snag some Darlene audio for later today because I imagine <laughs> he spoke about it too. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay, we'll get to more of your thoughts on the text inbox. Let's take a phone call here before we hit the break and get back to more of your reaction uh, after a one nothing Canucks victory in Buffalo against the Sabres. And let's start things off in Victoria where we have Raymond on the line. Raymond, thanks for calling in. And what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, I mean, it was a fantastic game. It got a little bit ugly out there, mm-hmm. and uh, that's kind of where I want to get with my point. Uh, Alvin, you know, and talk it, talking about uh, adding sides to the back end and how, uh, you know, I've, I've made a comment about it, but they're able to play big boy hockey. I mean, it's uh, a crying shame. With, you know, can you imagine OEL, OEL out there, uh, you know, in, in a game like tonight? 
I'm just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked. And I don't mean to throw strays at him, but it was a pretty soft blue line. And, you know, and then I remember when Bull Horvat punched Garland, you know, people were up in arms. So to see the, the guys stick up for each other is pretty awesome. And then one more thing I want to add, if you want to uh, go on about it, but adding, you know, a, a player into this locker room or two and how much that can throw off chemistry and how dangerous of a line that is, you, you can cross. Uh, anyways, I look forward to hearing from you, employees. Hey, Raymond, thanks for the phone call. Good thoughts. It's a fair point. I know mm-hmm. Riccio's been uh, more concerned on Canuck Central this past week. We've had uh, some discussions, and he's really hesitant on making any changes to the roster given how they've played. And the reality is, because of the Canucks cap situation, unless you're trading for somebody who's making league minimum or making you know a million or less, or maybe one and a half or so, it's going to be really tough for them to make additions unless you're sending money out. So it's it's, a, it's not an unfair point. I don't think it's going to stop the team though. And when you look at some of the decisions you know Rutherford has made in the past, and he's been part of teams that have had good runs and hasn't been afraid of making some some deals, but I get the point Raymond's making. I'm not quite as concerned by it if you're making the right types of additions and you're not getting rid of somebody who's critical to your success so far. And I don't think that is. I mean, who are we talking about here? Like Kuzmenko potentially because the money would have to go out. Mm -hmm. The defense has been very solid, so I know people are maybe hesitant even on Tyler Myers' front to do anything with him. But where do you stand on being hesitant to mess with the chemistry here? Um, Look, it's it's not something that is invalid. No, it's it's a fair point. It it requires being brought up and discussed but right now you you look at that second line and it it looks like it could use a little bit more juice and so is the talent deficit larger than the worry about chemistry and to me it is and you know Pew Suter's done a nice job filling in but you see it's like there's really not enough speed there through the middle of the ice and Mikheyev provides it but you know, Kuzmenko's. We're, talk, we're all talking about him being snake bitten. This is now going to be uh, no points for Kuzmenko, and I think six games. Yeah. Uh, after tonight, so. and the only time I noticed him was when he actually made a nice play with the drag move driving towards the net in the third. It was the only time I noticed him in this game. So tonight would make it seven games with no points for Andre Kuzmenko. So again, they're getting results here, and the 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 Bluger line has done well. And I know Patrick Alvin called them the third line earlier today. We'll replay that audio when he met with Murph uh, in the intermission as well. So if it's very clear they're looking for a top six forward. Uh, you know, Jim Rutherford talking to Pierre Lebrun in the Athletic. The outline is obvious. They want a top six forward. Yeah. So yeah, like look, it's a real concern, but it, you have to separate the team success versus the individuals. And right now, that second line with Suter, Kuzmenko, Mikheyev is probably not doing enough for you. No. It's, it's probably you probably need a little bit more push. Mm-hmm. Now we have a lot of suggestions and comments on the text inbox. We'll hit more on the other side. Some are wondering if the Canucks are tough enough after this game. That's a narrative in our text inbox. We'll, we'll hit that. We'll get to more of your reaction on the phone boards. Plus, we'll hear from Canucks players post game after a one nothing lead win in Buffalo against the Sabers. And this is Canuck, the Canucks Central post game show presented by the Number Five Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports too. More coming up on the Home Your Canucks Sportsnet six fifty. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. To Tage Thompson, left wing hash marks back to Dahlin of the line. Again for Thompson, left circle. Pass the side of the goal for Tuck. Center, pass back door. What a save by Demko. He robs Casey Middlestat with the glove. Picked it out of the air. 
tremendously. And it's still 1-0 Canucks with 90 seconds left in the second period. Oh, my goodness. Thatcher Demko. Are you kidding me? Thatcher Demko going from right to left. Tracks Alex Tuck's pass. And ends up making the save on the left-hand side on Casey Middlestadt. A very difficult save, but he makes it look easy with the glove hand. Thatcher Demko, brilliant save on Casey Middlestadt. And that is tonight's play of the game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley here on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks win 1-0 over the Sabres here. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange. And that play, Thatcher Demko. And, and people have been criticizing Demko's play a little bit recently. And he hasn't been as clean as he was earlier this season. We had Hopefully to get this... that puts uh, some things to uh, some doubt to rest. Yes. Now, we had a discussion with Kevin Woodley earlier this week on Canucks Central. If you missed it, always go back on the podcast to check it out. But mentioned how Demko hasn't been bad, but not quite at the level he's shown before. And we can dig a bit deeper on the analytics. However, He's had some good performances through this stretch. Like, I thought the Rangers game, as much as he gave up a couple goals, he was outstanding with a number of huge saves he made in that game. But tonight, nothing got through Thatcher Demko. And yes, the Canucks didn't give up a ton of scoring chances overall, but there were some moments in this game where the Sabres had some great A chances, and he was up to the task, and none better than that huge save he made on Casey Middlestad at the end of the second period. Couple on Middlestad on the power play. Uh, got one later in the third as well, uh, right into the crest. He was sharp. Uh, again, we mentioned a couple of games ago, well, it feels like he's kind of going through his Pedersen moment where some fans are critiquing it. Um, but, you know, you bet on talent. <laughs> I had someone message me the other day saying, you know, Bick, your, your, your January 24th uh, prediction on Elias Pedersen is uh, woefully inf- insufficient because he's ripping it up well before that. And I was like, it, it was the safest bet ever to make. <laughs> and the same thing with Thatcher Demko here. Yeah, okay, look, he didn't play to his sharpest on a couple of games. It's a safest bet effort that he's going to be fine. Unless there's, you know, a, a physical ailment that, you know, shades your uh, analysis. Are, are we really sitting here thinking, like, Thatcher Demko won't rebound? And certainly tonight, uh, in a game that was, you know, a little bit slower, Thatcher Demko was on his paces and yeah. was sharp to it. He was really sharp tonight, and that was uh, tonight's, well, today's play of the game, brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive through winter with confidence by switching to Toyo Tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser Highway in Langley. Now, we have a note on the game. We mentioned that the Canucks were trying to get out of Buffalo as quickly as possible so they could uh, get to Columbus on time for the game on Monday. And we'll see what the weather has in store for Buffalo tomorrow. But it seems like the Canucks are not leaving Buffalo at the moment. Yeah, a, a tweet from uh, Farhan Lalji uh, saying that the uh, Canucks... I will now stay the night in Buffalo, travel to Columbus tomorrow. Original plan was to fly out tonight postgame. Um, so they might be in limbo here yeah, we'll for get, the next little bit. We'll get official confirmation yeah. on this, and we'll let you know exactly what that does to the status of that game on Monday, as we mentioned, against the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, in Buffalo... They're used to this type of weather, but it's so bad that they had to postpone the Buffalo yeah. Bills playoff game to Monday, which is something that almost never happens to Buffalo Bills games. And, and, and there's there's videos of like at field level right now uh, inside that stadium. It's it's snowing sideways, and I'm not even like oh it's it's raining side. It literally is snowing sideways. The wind, the snow is just 
crazy. Uh, so you know, for for safety reasons, is it even worth you know trying to chance it right now uh, in Buffalo? It's it's aggressive. Yeah, it is very aggressive. But the Canucks so far tonight, well. I thought they were pretty aggressive in their game, but we have a lot of people texting in talking about how the Canucks need to be tougher to play against. Uh, this text message here says, good game to gather data for the playoffs. Seems they may need a n- more toughness to protect Quinn Hughes from the sort of abuse he's taking tonight. Uh, and Jay from Surrey, uh, that's Aaron from Hamilton, and Jay from Surrey says, today's game shows we need to be tougher to play against if we go deep in the playoffs. Lawson Krause, Jordan Greenway are the types of players we should be targeting. That's Jay from Surrey. Now, that's one take. Blue Line Bar Down says, Canucks are mean and play heavy. What is happening between hits and slap shots? How many players are getting injured that try to battle the Canucks lately? They are skilled and a wrecking ball. It's got to be close to 10 players they sent to the locker room this season. So you're getting a bit of everything. I do think you could still use another guy that has a bit more toughness up front. But I don't mean just like a guy that's an enforcer. I mean a guy that can play in your top six. Mm-hmm. And I think if this team could add a gritty f- finisher... I think they would love to, not necessarily protect their teammates, but to be tougher to play against. But I'm not sure being tough to play against was an issue tonight. I would more agree with Blue Line Bar Down. I thought they were plenty physical. They handled it well. And it wasn't like they were at ever in danger of being out-muscled, I felt. Yeah, again, there was a short moment. It wasn't even like Buffalo was playing overly physical and, and overwhelming the Canucks. They just weren't playing the game. They were going out of their way to try to go after Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. So that to me is reckless, senseless, off your game physicality. And if you can capitalize and score a couple of goals in there, then suddenly, look, it's it's a lot easier to play in that environment and, mm-hmm. and hopefully get some some goals and settle the nerves down. But you know the, the Canucks don't get that goal in that sequence there, and the the the, the Sabers just go the rest of that period just trying to take shots over at uh, Queen Hughes wasn't overly effective and then JT Miller fights Eric Johnson you think okay yeah. maybe, maybe that settled things down and the the Sabres were just intent it reminded me of like when the um the Blues lost to the the Avs oh yeah and, and they just kept chasing around the yeah, whole game yeah it, it's 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 a playoff game like go play the game and, yeah. and I, I get your goalies out but like you kind of have to go play the game and, and the Sabres are not in a position where they should be screwing around right now it, it's there's their season's looking bleaker and bleaker by the day. It's like their weather right now. They can't do anything. <laughs> Ice cold. And it, it just, you know, to, to me that's senseless hockey and they they wasted some time there, you know, not trying to score a goal. What, are, what What's the saying? Play stupid games, win stupid prizes? Yeah. It's kind of perfect. Kind of the, the saying. In the second period, they took four shot attempts at five and five. Yeah, there was they were too busy running yeah. around, you know. And uh, the Canucks kind of they they fought through just fine. Uh, there was some frustration from Quinn because there were some liberties being taken, Certainly, no doubt. Yeah. But um, I get where the frustration comes from fans watching Buffalo do their thing. But I didn't feel at any point they were um, being overmatched physically. That's just my sense watching the game. And you know, as far as you mentioned, the Canucks scored a goal. Sam Lafferty he got the goal, and Zadorov got the assist. Those those are the only two guys who got points tonight. So it really came down to the overall team game, which wasn't their most impressive performance. But defensively, they did a good job for overall, not giving Buffalo much in terms of scoring chances, especially five on five. We'll get to more of your text messages to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Tons of texts coming in here. We'll get to a few of them in just a moment. Let's go to the phone board, 604-280-0650 or toll free, one 275 Let's go to New West, where we have... Sean on the line. Sean, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? 
big big win obviously um you know obviously it's you know Ted Demko played like amazing tonight and mm-hmm. uh you know what to full value uh for getting that shutout because he deserved that that one save he made on that power play which looked like it was middle stat I can't remember what it was it was just a beautiful glove save um as far as this road trip I mean you kind of got to get the win uh you know you've won like five or five and one obviously and uh, you know Columbus is a team you got to like get two points off of because they're Columbus, right? At the end of the day, I mean, you don't want to take any team lightly, but that's yeah. the team you should be beating to end uh, the road trip uh, successfully, which has already been a success. And uh, Buffalo fans, you got to feel for them in some way because that team's been rebuilding since 2011. Mm-hmm. They haven't made the playoffs since 2011. Yeah. You imagine that fan base, and they've had first overall picks, not like the Canucks have had first overall picks. They've had a pick like for this court, have picked like pick five, pick six, pick seven. These guys have like uh, had number one overall picks, and they still can't make the playoffs. It's been that's. You gotta wonder how that fan base is, and uh, you know, and you also gotta, you know, before I let you go, it's also you gotta wonder about how the uh, Browns fan base is. Today. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> thanks for taking my call. Bye. I was, I was wondering who was gonna be the first one to bring it up. Mm. Look, the game's still going. Always compete. I mean, game's still going, but it's like it's like slowly watching. I mean, you just, just got. I mean, <laughs> three guys just jumped on Joe Flacco right as that started talk. I'm not doing this, man. <laughs> Like I'm, do- I'm doing my best. To, like avoid, avoid it. Yeah. Like you know. Here, I mean- I'll, I'll read this one uh, from Robbie and Bertabe. Um oh, I just lost it here. Uh, does the Canucks win help soften the blow of the Browns' performance? That being distracted working the Canucks game certainly. Uh... Should I read a Canucks one? Sure, please. Uh, <laughs> actually, I was trying to find a Browns one. Sorry. Uh, Renfrew Marco, we need a Tom Wilson type. Love to find a way is, to make his uh, contract more palatable. Uh, you know, the, look, they've signed him. They they're very happy with uh, Tom Wilson. But I see what you mean, a Tom Wilson type. Those guys just like don't exist. That's the problem. No, they really don't. And um, man, I'm just <laughs> my guy is rattled here. <laughs> and rattled. Why, why like why is everybody texting in about the Browns? <laughs> Down goes Browns. Sorry, Sat. It's like constant. It's like every other text is people making fun of me. Just just let the guy enjoy his sports misery, okay, folks? But at the same time, please keep texting in. 650, 650. Sad. What's, what's with the Browns, man? <laughs> this one says, respect your loyalty to a below-average franchise. Oh, <laughs> oh brother. Uh, big disappointment today by the Browns. Hey, Sad. Like, I know, okay? I have eyes. Should I switch the TV? Please. Oh, okay. Wow. I mean, it's over. It's like 40 seconds. They're just like taking a knee. Like, but what, if, to watch what if they score a touchdown on site? Oh, no, they don't even have the ball. No, man. They're gonna, it's it's over. They don't even have to, like, it's, it's done. Sorry about that. All right. See, I'm not sorry. My team didn't even go to the playoffs. Welcome to the misery <laughs> season. Hey, it's draft season, though. There you go. They don't even have a first round pick. That's unfortunate. That's a you problem. <laughs> Uh, this one, they need a center, Giroux, Yanni Gord, or Monaghan. Uh, you know, Giroux would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a scorer, has playoff pedigree, of course, can yeah. play gritty. I mean, he's, he's not a, you know, a punishing player, but he's a tough player. He's mm-hmm. hard-nosed, he goes in tough areas, goes to the net, has success, has had success in the postseason in the past. Gord, too, would be interesting. I, again, like that that's an interesting profile. I like Yanni Gord a lot. I really do, but, but I mean, it's, Seattle's in the mix, right? Well, that's the thing. I mean, Seattle at this stage, uh, they may have as good a chance as anybody making the playoffs for that second wildcard spot, right? I mean, we, Edmonton's going to get in. Then it's pretty much between Seattle uh, and Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. 
and maybe just maybe if one of the those blues. other teams, Blues or yeah. somebody, make a push, Calgary's still something. hanging around. Arizona's hanging around. There's some teams there. Uh, Nashville's kind of doing enough to just uh, survive. 47 points in 42 games for the Preds right now. So are they going to be uh, hanging around there? Uh, I, I'd be really surprised if Nashville makes it, but. I've been shorting them for a while. Yeah, I would be. But, I mean, they play – you know what? The one thing they have they do consistently is play well as a team overall, mm-hmm. right? And, and when you do that, you, you can overcome a lot of things. Forsberg's having another fantastic year. I think he's 12th in goals yeah, this year. Yeah, and their defense is above average. Mm-hmm. You know, like they have a decent defense, good goaltending. They're a tough team overall. We've seen the Canucks have their way with them, clearly mm-hmm. a notch above them, but that's kind of where what the playoff race looks so like. So he's tied for ninth spot. along with Elias Pettersson, all at uh, 22 goals. It's not bad. Pretty good. Pretty pretty good for the Forsberg. Which, by the way, Elias Pettersson tied for ninth in goals. Ninth in goals, and that's why he's going to the All-Star game. Five Canucks are going to the All-Star game. Uh, and somebody uh, was texting in and, and mentioning that, uh, uh, why do we want, why are we saying six Canucks should go to the All-Star game? No, what I'm saying, what we said was, all, all, honestly, like, I think it's better if they have a couple guys not go to rest them and everything in terms of, like, you know, as the season goes yeah. on. But It's such a cool honor, though. It is cool, right? But, but somebody mentioned, uh, what texted in and said, uh, why do you guys want more players to go to the All-Star game? Like, it's not a good thing. All all my point was, you can make the case with how well Philip Peronic has played that they could have six players going to the All-Star game. And that just shows you what type of campaign the Canucks are having so far this season, sitting at this stage atop the Western Conference, one of the top teams in the National Hockey League, reeling off five straight victories here on the road through a seven-game road trip. And, you know, I wanted to get to this this text message here. It was Alex in the whack, and he says, I remember Sat mentioning after the, uh, the Sabres game, and sorry, the Blues game, that... This road trip could be fundamental to how this season plays out in regards to playoff positioning after our loss to the Blues. How do you feel about number one in the West for the playoffs? Confidence rising on my part, for sure, Alex from the WAC. I'm with you, Alex. Like, my confidence in this team being able to finish first in the West has skyrocketed. Absolutely skyrocketed. And I, and I do think like with the way uh, the team is going right now and trending and the kind of gap they're building on, like I really think, not to say they're guaranteed to finish top two or three in the conference or first in the division, you still have, th- what, 38 games to go, 39 games to go mm-hmm. after tonight. So a lot of games still to be played here on the season. But like, why shouldn't they? Like I feel like they are in the driver's seat and I feel confident in how they're playing so far. Like They're full value for these five wins on the trip. Like We're not talking about, hey, they went out and stole a couple victories and they're laughing on their way out. They went out and stole people's lunch and came back. You know, like that's kind of what they've been doing right now. This was the first one you can chalk up. Okay, like goaltending played a significant hand in the result, right? Obviously, look, he, uh, Thatcher Nemco played awesome against the Rangers, and there were moments, but he scored six goals. You score six goals in a couple of games here, your your, your skaters are going to get a lot of the credit. Tonight was Thatcher Demko's night. Yeah, he, he was the most instructive person on why this game was a victory. It's a mm-hmm. shutout, right? Yeah. He's he was fantastic in a game where you know they they just tried to do what they can to lock it up and make it difficult. And here's Thatcher Demko being as sparkling as ever. Uh, he improves to a nine nineteen save percentage on the year. Uh, just fantastic. And for the most part, it's like okay, yeah. So the goalie can have shine in one game out of five here. It's it's fine. Yeah. No, uh, it, but it is fine. It, it's, as far as like where they stand in the division. Like, like the, the, this, a this gap makes... is forming. It, it's it's no longer like oh, it's a three horse race right now. A gap has been formed between the Canucks, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the L.A. Kings. They're... Canucks currently have an eight point gap on the Vegas Golden Knights. It's large. Eight points. Now they have a game in hand. Vegas does, of course, but still, you still have to win those games. Six points is still 
if they win, large. Yes, it is. And 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 uh, the Kings have five games in yeah. hand, but they're thirteen back of Vancouver. Thirteen. So they can close it to three points, but they've been scuffling here recently. Now I think they're up right now, or sorry, it's one-one between them and the uh, uh, Detroit Red Wings. But nevertheless, there was you know three weeks ago, less than that maybe even, fans were concerned about oh Oilers are hot now, yeah, they're going to catch the Canucks. They're so far back, so far back, and now a gap has been opening up between Vegas and LA. Keep running it up yeah, and, and make 100%. it tough for these, especially right now that if you know Vegas is dinged up, I know Michael kind of went out and seems like he's okay and Stone's playing tonight, but if, if these teams are going to scuffle right now, give yourself as much of a safety net if and when your scuffle moment comes. Like, for instance, Edmonton has been the hottest team in the league, them in Winnipeg and, and Seattle, right? All three teams in the Western Conference, two of those teams in the same division. So over the past 10 games, Seattle is 8-0-2, Edmonton is 9-1. Edmonton has made up basically winning three straight games, and all they've done is made up make up three points on the Canucks over a nine-game winning streak. You win nine games, and all you do is make up three points in ground. Like, and Seattle's made up one point. They've won eight in a row, and they only have made up one point on the Vancouver Canucks. And the Canucks have a sixteen-point lead on the Oilers. Now Oilers have five games in hand, but to the point that you're making and we're making here, they're in the driver's seat and very much in control. And to Al- to answer Alex's question, I also have a lot more confidence in the Canucks now finishing atop the Western Conference, certainly atop the d- division. And that has to be the goal the rest of the season. The goal the rest of the season, of course, is to get to the playoffs and have success. But your goal shouldn't be, hey, we're happy to make the playoffs. It should be, let's get the first seed and let's get that wild card two team. You don't want to face Edmonton. You don't want to face LA, maybe. like You want to face a team like perhaps Seattle, perhaps Nashville, perhaps St. Louis. Like That's the type of position you want to put yourself in. The Oilers, since the, the coaching change, have been playing 760 hockey. Okay? 760 hockey. An unbelievable place. Pace. Only the Jets have been better at 815, which is remarkable in its own right. Um, so they've picked up 38 points in that 25-game sample. The Canucks have played 29 games since then. They have 40 points. Yeah. And now, okay, look, the Oilers have four games at hand. They can, you know, catch up to the Canucks. But since the coaching change, as far as total points, uh, Canucks have actually extended their lead over the Oilers. It's it's going to be near impossible for them to get back into it uh, to, to chase down the Canucks. But you keep going here again. As, as the, the last college was talking about, go get this win against Columbus. That's the team yeah. you should be beating. Arizona, that's an opportunity. You got Chicago coming up here, and. The other part, too, I mentioned this on the show yesterday. The playoff bar right now is sitting at about 90 points in the West. Yeah. So where are the Canucks here? 61 points. We're talking about 14 more wins. To get to 90. Well, 14 and, and like a, an OTL. Could they get to 90? But I don't want to like they do could, the whole no, tempting no, thing. No, no, but no, no. Like, they, they could legit get to 90 before March 8th. So how many games until the All-Star break? 22 now? I think it's 22, yeah. So 14 and 8? That's not even an overwhelming record. That's not even the same win percentage they have right now. <laughs> it's below their current yeah. season win percentage. Like, there's a chance that they can confirm themselves. And, and look, this is not saying this, the is, this, is, this isn't to say this will happen. It's about when you get this type of start, and then it shows you by the deadline what you can do. Like 
it's a position the Canucks have put themselves in, and it's full credit to this team and why they're sending five players to the All-Star game. Sure, a lot of fans have been voting for them, but it's been absolutely tremendous watching this team come together the way they have so far this season. Another good performance on the road, winning against the Buffalo Sabres. Let's continue on the phone board, 604-280-0650. You're toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Let's go to Nanaimo, where we have Aiden on the line. Aiden, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts today? Yeah, so unreal game. I actually, I usually listen to the games, but I actually watched this one. I had enough time to sit down and watch it. And uh, feisty game overall, really feisty game. There was lots of uh, hits and lots of uh, stuff. Demko stood on his head this game. He was the reason why the Canucks won this game. Demko was outstanding, and I think everybody would agree that Demko was the star of the game. Um, so yeah, as the points wise of 61 points in how many ever games they played and to get to, get to a playoff spot soon, just, I don't see, um, the future of getting to the playoffs right now. And yes, they are on a miracle season right now and just flying by, but I'm just taking one game at a time, just taking one point, two points at a time. And, uh, yeah, an incredible uh, road trip, too, to get uh, five wins and only one loss on the road is uh, insane. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, catch up in uh, Columbus and take uh, take another win on the road. That'll be uh, definitely good before they get back uh, in Vancouver against Arizona. I think that's all I had. It was uh, definitely an early game, and uh, we got the two points we uh, needed. So, uh, yeah, good stuff, boys, and uh, we'll talk later. You got it. Thanks for the phone call. Aiden calling in. And, you know, as far as Demko goes, we got this text saying Demko was even better against the Rangers than he was today. I mean, fair point. I mean, Demko made a number of great saves against the uh, uh, New York Rangers. And I thought tonight, I mean, he didn't face a ton. Like, he made the save on the on the uh, PK we mentioned he came across. There was like, I think Natural Stat Trick has them at five high danger chances, five on five. At five on five, yeah. For Buffalo? Like, there wasn't a ton. Didn't give up a ton. And there were some shots given up, but not really a ton of quality in terms of scoring chances. And if you factor in the all situations, 6-8. So 8-6 in favor of the Canucks, sorry. Yeah. So they only got that, and then the only one was probably this save on middle stat Mm -hmm. that was the play of the game where he comes across and makes a glove save. So I didn't love the Canucks game overall. But defensively, they were more than fine. Like, they did a good job. And the only awkward sequence was about five-minute stretch in the first period where they let uh, Buffalo crash the net. And I think that's where they had most of their scoring chances. And I think if you're looking at it from... And again, it's not perfect, the, the, the shot metrics. But yeah, they had four high dangers for Buffalo in the first period. I referenced how they got a lot of chances in close. And that was it. It was like flurry of chances. A couple came on the same sequence. And outside of that... Next to nothing was generated by the Buffalo Sabres, especially five on five. So the Canucks very stingy defensively. Certainly. Uh, let's take one more phone call before we hit the break, uh, and let's go to Gary in Maple Ridge. Gary, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Uh, first of all, can you hear me? Or okay, we got you. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, the fact that uh, I saw Miller fight the uh, Johnson and the. Uh, I'm not sure what period it was because I caught I caught it in the middle of the first. But uh, there's a fellow by the name of Corey Perry that uh, is out there. And, yes, he's got a bit of a problem as far as his personal stuff is concerned. But I don't care about his personal stuff. He happens to know and has been played in uh, the Stanley Cup uh, and in the playoffs. He's a tough guy, and he is ugly to play against. If we could get him on minimum, and I gather we could, 
Uh, I'd like to see him on the fourth line. Again, I didn't mind seeing Miller fight, but he doesn't need to break a hand. What, what, I'd like to hear your comments, and thank you. Hey, thanks for the phone call, Gary. I mean, yeah, I mean, Miller's not afraid of chucking them. Uh, you always worry about uh, somebody get, getting injured. You don't want Miller to go out there and, and fight all the time. But what he was doing was answering to somebody challenging him after he threw a hit on uh, Rasmus Dahlin, right? So I think uh, that's part of the reason why that kind of unfolded the way it did. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll take more of your comments on the other side. We'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett plus Patrick Alvin. For those wondering and asking, will the Canucks keep making improvements to the roster? We'll tell you what the president of the team uh, told The Athletic earlier this week, and also what Patrick Alvin had to say with his chat with Dan Murphy. As we continue the Canucks Central Post Game Show after a 1-0 Canucks win on the road in Buffalo over the Sabres, presented by the number 5 Orange. So the game is over, but is your day really done? The number 5 is open. That's more on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hoaglander spinning on the end boards, protecting the puck from Ryan Johnson and Jordan Greenway. Greenway tied him up. Johnson cleared up the boards, held in by Zadorov. Long shot, rip it in front, they score! Sam Lafferty digs it home. Canucks take a 1-0 lead at 2.05 of the second period, and Lafferty's upset because he took a slash, I believe, from Jordan Greenway in front or rather a little bit of a high hit. But the Canucks have taken the 1-0 lead on the goal by Sam Lafferty. And now the question is, will the Sabres challenge this one too? They could have a case for goaltender interference. Sam Lafferty right in front of the net, and he's outside the blue paint. The puck is blocked as the point shot's coming in, and it hits Lafferty, but he does a good job of tracking the puck and just wrapping it around Lukanen beating Connor Clifton on the play, and he does take a late hit from Greenway, which he didn't like. When you talk about the skates, just that left skate is in. I don't think that's goaltender interference. It seems like it's, he's making a hockey play, he doesn't collide with him, and he doesn't impede Lukanen. Canucks win, one nothing on the road over the Buffalo Sabres. Sam Lafferty with a game-winning goal, the lone goal. Assisted by Nikita Zadorov, Thatcher Demko with a shutout. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Uh, and you can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. And we are going to get to Patrick Alvin and what he had to say. We'll get to some more post-game reaction from the Canucks as well. But uh, what are the people saying? And this text here says, last two games have given the Canucks a taste of playoff-type hockey, and they seem ready for it. Um, and this text here says, the G-Man, Corey Perry is a is a cancer. No thank you. Um, man, and then I get dragged on the Browns, and your Browns are choking. I get it. Okay, fine. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, just getting on. confirmation, by the way. And the Canucks are staying in Buffalo? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the Canucks are staying in Buffalo. They're not flying out. Um, and what that does to the game on Monday... In Columbus remains to be seen. Because it's an early game, right? So travel requirements and everything like that. Yeah, so I mean, if they can't get out of Buffalo tomorrow, I would imagine that game gets postponed. But we'll see. Well, well there is still some time to go. And uh, the one thing about weather, it's very unpredictable. So who knows? But right now, and, and we saw some images out of Buffalo, mm-hmm. it does not look like it's safe to travel. And the travel. game, the, the Bills game was supposed to be tomorrow. Yes. And it's been already postponed to Monday. Yeah. 
So it's uh, it's tough, and we'll see what the weather's like and uh, how the Canucks are going to have to handle their situation right now. Uh, and we'll, we'll hit some more texts here coming up in, in just a moment. We have some questions and comments, uh, some comments on Patrick Alvine as well. Now, Patrick Alvine, Canucks general manager, we know that he's been as active as pretty much, well, more active than any general mm-hmm. manager in the National Hockey League since taking over. And uh, we know that Jim Rutherford, the president of the team, in an interview with The Athletic earlier this week, mentioned the team is still looking to improve. And if they can add a top six forward, they would. If they can add a top four defenseman even, they would look at doing that. But really, it comes down to, can they add a bit more firepower up front? And, you know... Patrick Alvin, in, in his conversation with Dan Murphy, uh, in typical Patrick Alvin fashion, uh, you know, didn't say much. We'll we'll bring it to you, but given if, if you pair, you know, what Alvin says with what Rutherford says, and certainly you shade more towards what Rutherford says because he's certainly a lot more forthcoming uh, with his commentary. But you know, a, a lot's been mentioned here that as his team continues to have success too, that you know there will be. A demand to try to bolster this team because that's what you're supposed to do. That it, when you're first place in the West, first place in the conference, and, and right now total points, the first place in the league, mm-hmm. you want to be able to load up, and I'm not saying, or at know, least at least shore up, a, a at least do something yeah. to show that, like, hey, like this is your reward for doing this to to get to this stage. Let's see if we can push it a little bit f- further and go see what we do. I know the, the trepidation of you know, uh, you know, how much do you want to risk for the future? I get that. Uh, I was saying yesterday, you know, you know the phrase "dress for the job you want, not the one that you have." Canucks are out of state, right? They might have to act like the team they want to be rather than the team that they currently are. When the team they are is really good, obviously. If you add a little bit more, then how much better do you even get? And mm-hmm. that's kind of where you're talking about. Can you actually get to the holy grail if you do get a little bit better? And I think that's what's exciting and interesting about the decisions the Canucks have to make. Now, we'll get to Alvin in a couple of moments. But before we do that, let's get to the head thoughts of the Canucks head coach, Rick Tockett, after a one nothing win in Buffalo. And here he is meeting with the media. Yeah, basically, you grind it out. You know, I think uh, you're having that lead. And then I thought the key is killing those three penalties. That was big, you know. Um, you know, we've, I don't know how many games we've played, but you know, a lot of road games. And when you're digging in like that, a lot of uh, a lot of penalties uh, for the three in a row. I thought the guys did a hell of a job. Really did. That first period, it was a little bit of a slow start for them. And then about five minutes left, you guys really picked it up. What? Yeah, what the, the, yeah, you're right. Um, a little like you know, a little sluggish. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it, we're coming in near the end of a, a, a trip. Um, and then I think about five, six minutes left, the Hoglander line, Almond and uh, Lafferty went out there. Um, you know, that was a big, they gave us a big shift and all of a sudden it kind of energized our team. Obviously Miller getting in a fight, some of the hits, we had, you know, both sides. It was kind of a, like a, you know, like a mucky type of game, which is kind of good. So these are the games that, uh, I love when, uh, you have these type of games and see that you resolve and I thought we did a good job. Do you know if travel plans have changed at all with this crazy yeah. storm? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, gonna have to hang around. You're going to stay here overnight? Or? Yep. Yeah. you have to stick around and uh, try to get out tomorrow to Columbus. Gotcha. Demko, he didn't have a huge volume of saves, no. but he was, he was good when he needed him to. Yeah, Demers, like, the, the, he's, you know, when you look at him, even the shots that went wide, he looks so big in the net. Um, that's typical Demko. You know, very uh, solid, doesn't get rattled. 
looks big, big in the net. Um, you know, it's just a hell of a game by Demmer. And then just five, five uh, in a row. Just how good start the year with that streak going? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, obviously, uh, it's obviously great. Um, I just like our team. You know, it's uh, you, we win a game and we win a bunch of games, and you just kind of all right. Let's go on to the next one. You know, we don't get too high, too low. Um, really even keel type of team. They should enjoy it though, but they also know that hey, let's well, let's worry about the next game. So I love the resolve when it comes. Yeah, basically you grind it out. Yeah. You know, I think uh, they're having that lead, and then I thought the key is killing those three penalties. That was big. You know, um, you know, we've, I don't know how many games we've played, but you know, a lot of road games. And when you're digging in like that, a lot of uh, a lot of penalties uh, for the three in a row. I thought the guys did a hell of a job. Really did. That first period, it was a little bit of a slow start for them. Then about five minutes left, you guys really picked it up. What? Yeah, what the, yeah, you're right. Um, a little like you know, a little sluggish. I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, we're coming in near the end of a, a, a trip. Um, and then I think about five, six minutes left, the Hoglander line, Almond and uh, Lafferty went out there. Um, you know, that was a big, they gave us a big shift and all of a sudden it kind of energized our team. Obviously Miller getting in a fight, showing the hits, we had, you know, both sides. It was kind of a, like a, you know, like a mucky type of game, which is kind of good. So these are the games that, uh, I love when uh, you have these type of games and see that you resolve and I thought we did a good job. Do you know if travel plans have changed at all with this crazy yeah. storm? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, going to have to hang around. You're going to stay here overnight? Or? Yep. Yeah. you have to stick around and uh, try to get out tomorrow to Columbus. Gotcha. Demko, he didn't have a huge volume of saves, no. but he was... He was... Uh, that is the Canucks head coach, Rick Tockett. Ends a bit abruptly, but that's uh, all we got out of Buffalo. Storm after the got the questions. The storm, <laughs> storm got in the way. So uh, the coach mentions they're staying yeah. in Buffalo and hoping to get out tomorrow. So it's going to be very much wait and see. Um, and it, weather permitting, if they can get out tomorrow and get to uh, Columbus in time for that game early, would be 1 p.m. Eastern time, 10 a.m. our time, obviously, for Mar Martin Luther King Day. It's an American holiday, and that's why the game's happening a lot earlier uh, than usual. So we will see what the status of that game is ultimately going to be. And he had a lot of praise for... Um, the fourth line, Niels mm -hmm. Oman. Now, they did score. Sam Lafferty had the lone goal in the game. Zadorov got the helper on it. But he was happy with how that line performed today. Certainly. And in a night when, you know, very low event, you need every line to be structured. And, you know, went out of his way to mention a couple times. And, yeah, there were moments. Oman had a nice chance uh, set up by Pedersen uh, earlier. And, and Hoaglander, you know, they're the ones that generate the goal, right? Hoaglander works with some work down low, um, below the line, protecting the puck. Gets it to Zadorov, and gets a shot off, and Lafferty is the one that turns that puck in. And so the nearly nils line, uh, you know, the the ones that generate the scoring tonight. They did, uh, and, and yes, I'm going with nearly nils near, line. Yeah, I like like it. nearly Neil, somebody texted that. Yeah. that was good. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, and and he also, you know, he, he talked about the physicality as well. JT Miller, uh, in this text from Teacher Mike, love how JT sends the message to not abuse us or we will abuse you. And I know um, it's one of those things that sometimes JT Miller's um, antics or his physicality at times mm -hmm. gets questioned. But well, when like, he's like, on, like last game, right against uh, the Penguins, that you know, check to the head there, the the, 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 the shove. Um, no, the one to Crosby, the one that he gets a penalty on. You think, all right, is that one necessary? But then he, you know, he continues with the physicality and he injected some emotion into that game and it picked up. This one, you know, he, there he is again, injecting emotion into this game. 
we were talking earlier about players that you know this is such a rare type. You know, JT Miller fits the profile of a rare type of player right now uh, across the league because it's tough to find power skill forwards, and he fits the bill. He does. And I mean, he's one of the very few big power forwards, big power centers really uh, in the National Hockey League at this stage. And I know I mentioned the stat that there's only one other player um, in recent, I forget which player it is at this point. I don't know why I'm blanking on it, but very few players can do what JT can do. And that is have multiple, Ryan Getzlaff, Ryan Getzlaff and JT Miller. And and it was Kopitar, right? Kopitar. No, no, it was, uh, it wasn't even Kopitar, but the only players to do it multiple times. There's been players that have done it once. Joel Thornton's one of those players. Uh, even John Tavares fits the bill because he's 6'1", 200 pounds, but doesn't play as quite as physically. But there's like only a handful of guys, but only two players in the cap era who've had seasons of over 100 hits playing center and also being a point-per-game player. It's only JT Miller. That's 6'1", at least 6'1", and at least 200 pounds or more. So when it comes to that that style of player, only two guys in the cap era have had multiple seasons of having numbers like that. And it shows you how rare a player JT Miller can be. 650-650, this one, Bill from Red Deer. On PD, he's a good center, but he's a better winger. What he brings on the wing is more valuable to the team with better results. He mostly plays center. He just He's just not taking face-offs. JT Miller's taking the face-offs. And I would argue, like I've mentioned this for years, like you know, Miller can play center and obviously good at it. I, I think JT Miller's a better winger than he is a center. Like if, if you throw him on the wing, I think he's a like is he a top ten winger? Oh, easily. So that's the thing. I mean, is he a top ten center? I mean, the way he's playing, honestly, like I, I, you can say whatever you want about JT. I'm not gonna be sitting yeah. here and, and saying JT. He's, he's probably more in the top twenty centers, but he'd certainly be in the conversation for top ten wingers in the league. And that's a huge upgrade. But Pedersen, again, he's not taking face-offs, but you watch in the defensive zone, more than happy to cover uh, the the opposing centers as well and, and playing that role. Uh, 650-650. Uh, Capitalist Chris texting in a lot here, just talking about, you know, doesn't want to see the Pedersen contract stuff become a distraction. I've been kind of going back and forth with uh, Chris. Yeah, and, and it, I know it's... It's not really a distraction when the team's winning. No, like, it's, it's not. I mean, I've seen people mention that to talk about a distraction. I don't think it is with the team. And, you know, people mention, look at Nylander. He signed. Well, Nylander's UFA at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, like they could have signed Nylander last year. Could have done it over the offseason. It didn't happen and happen now. I wouldn't say it's a distraction for this team. Like, I don't think it's, it's at that stage. You'd want to get some clarity, and we are going to play the thoughts of Patrick Alvin coming up in a few moments. And it's clear based on some of their comments, they really want to get something done. Mm-hmm. The Canucks really want to get something done with Elias Pettersson. And I think what they want is at least some assurance that he's on the same page with that. And so far, they haven't really received that. And I understand that creates a little bit of um, frustration with the fans and a bit of uncertainty about, okay, where are things going really? But in terms of team play, his performance, the team's performance, I really don't think it's a distraction at all for that room. Like if he didn't, if he was a UFA at the end of the year, mm-hmm. then yes. But because there's another year, an off season, and a lot more time for you to really figure this out, it's not there at that stage yet. And that's why I don't think it's completely analogous to Nylander's situation, who was going to be UFA at the end of the season. And it's not like last year, right, where the team was losing, and now this contract, you know, Horvat becomes a bit of a, a sideshow. And, and, you know, Bo, similar to Petey, has done a pretty good job of um, pushing it aside. And not letting it become a bigger story. And players in general, mostly respectful of other players' money. Yeah, they are. And I mean, we've seen this in the past happen too. And last year was different with Bo Horvat's situation because he was going to be a UFA. Unrestricted, right? You know, it's a bit different. Um, But yes, I I understand the trepidation. And until Pedersen signs, Mm -hmm. 
it's a fair question because we don't know what's going to happen. But this one to me is an invented reality. The, the distraction. Uh, oh, it's going to be a distraction. Yes. Look, it, it's a talking point. It's a distraction and, to the fans. Sure. Yes, it, it, it's it's a talking point for us. If, I mean, how many times do you, you know, open up the topics drawer for your show? And be like, oh, Pedersen contract today. Every time, let's a, talk about it today. Oh, well, we have. Anytime something comes up about Pedersen, yeah. whether it's a report, whether it's a trade rumor, whether something comes up, we're forced to discuss it mm-hmm. because until he signs. We have uncertainty, but it's a far bigger conversation in our ecosystem than it is the players' ecosystem. Yeah, I'd say oftentimes uh, what goes on in the room in terms of the noise is a lot different than what it's like on the outside. Linda from Surrey says uh, we were talking about how the Canucks have been stealing lunches on this road trip. Like, would <laughs> would the stolen lunch in fact be chicken wings and a few tears? Ooh, <laughs> and buffalo buffalo wild wings. So uh, from each destination. So so you're 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 taking what from Pittsburgh then? Uh, I'm not sure what like, the like like literally isn't. penguins. So just no, no, that's hard. not nice. That seems harsh. That seems very harsh. What's the local cuisine in Pittsburgh? Is it chowder or something? It's probably not. So. Uh, Boston. That's pa- Boston. Is chowder. do you say pizza in New York? Pizza, yeah, pizza in New York. Uh, sewage in San, San in New Jersey. Sewage. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. We'll get to more of your thoughts on the text inbox. We'll hear from Patrick Alvin. Plus, Ian McIntyre is going to join us as the Canuck Central Post Game Show rolls on. Presented by the number five Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports, too. More coming up with Satin Bick on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks win the draw. Here's Pedersen, left wing to the Sabres blue line. Driving wide on power. Pedersen rims it behind the net. Comes to the right corner. JT Miller lays a big hit on Rasmus Dahlin, who comes up hurt on the end wall. And now the gloves are off as Owen Powers dropped the gloves with JT Miller after that hit. Power had Miller in a headlock. Now Miller has power down on his knees. And the line's been getting quickly to separate them because Miller's helmet had come off as Miller finished his check on one former first overall pick and the other former first overall pick came in to challenge him. And now the concern will be with Rasmus Dahlin, who's down on the end boards after taking a hard hit from Miller on the forecheck. And Dahlin just crumples after this hit as well. Owen Power challenges JT Miller. And to his credit, JT did not throw any punches here, knowing that he had a a younger defenseman. JT Miller, big physical sequence, rocks Rasmus Dahlin, then takes on Owen Power, ends up getting a two-minute elbowing minor, but not a five-minute major, which he was reviewed for. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show after 1-0 Canucks win in Buffalo against the Sabres, presented by the number 5 Orange. It's Satyar Shaw with Bik Nazar on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650, courtesy of Dunbar Lumber. We were talking about the cuisine in Pittsburgh. I totally blanked on this one. Uh, so we have a number of texts. This one here for, uh, from Jordan and Surrey. Primanti Brothers in Pittsburgh is a yeah. go-to place. A lot of texts about that. And somebody texted yeah. and sent a link in and saying, it's a classic sandwich. <laughs> includes two slices of Italian bread, grilled meat of choice, melted provolone, vinegar-based coleslaw, sliced tomatoes, and of course, French fries. Honestly, sounds pretty good. I'd try it, is what the text inbox says. Extremely famous. I totally blanked on that one. Yeah, I had no idea. And Mark Saunders on Twitter, though, says, it's pierogies in Pittsburgh, literally. So. Sure. Maybe, sure. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm being educated here. I sell like sewage from Newark. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's probably like some, some Italian food or something. In it, in, there you in, go. Yeah. What was it? Uh, leave the sticks, take the cannoli? 
Yeah, the way they've been winning, just cannolis. <laughs> leave the sticks. Leave the pucks. Leave the pucks. Take, take the, the cannoli. cannoli. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you heard Rasmus Dahlin come in. We are going to get to uh, Patrick Alvin in a moment. But mm-hmm. a very interesting sequence because a big storyline in this game was the huge hit by Miller. And then after that, the Sabres were running around trying to chase down Quinn Hughes, taking liberties with him, trying to chase down Elias Pettersson. They were so distracted in the second period. They had, what, four shots on, four shot attempts even? Was it five on five? Uh, five on five, yeah. It was, it was, uh, the next to nothing. Four attempts. Four attempts. They were so busy running around trying to chase, uh, down the Canucks players. And I get it. Rasmus Dahlin, their star guy, got knocked out. It seemed like he was out of the game. It looked like a head injury. He was able to return. But it's interesting to hear his thoughts post game. And Rasmus Dahlin met with the media and he was asked specifically about that hit from JT Miller. And here he is. It hit my head. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's a hit to the head. That's all I can say. And um, it is what it is. Did they put you in concussion protocol for a little bit until you could get back out of this? Yeah, they did. What do you think of the response by your teammates? Oh, uh, we're brothers. Uh, we wanted to do that. I mean, couldn't be more happy for, uh, especially EJ sticking up to me in OP and um, all these guys. We're, we're brothers in here, and um, I would do the same if, if someone else, uh, if it happened to someone else. Did you guys have any catch what happened with Sanders in the beginning of the second? Yeah, he also got a hit to the head. Um, so, um, what can you say? Um, two hits to the head uh, after each other. Um, Shouldn't happen. What's your response? You guys don't even get a power play. That's two hits to the head. You guys don't get a power play out of either one of those. Yeah. Um, it's best for me to not to comment on it. Um, just uh, get back to work tomorrow. You were in the dressing room when this happened, but you were down to three defensemen. And Zemgis Gergensen's had to go back and play two or three shifts on defense because of that. Uh, is it almost, uh, you know, you guys still got through it okay, even though you had to play a forward on defense for a little while? Yeah, um, I heard he played great. Um, he's such a good teammate. Um, he does whatever to uh, to have a chance to win, so um, I'm happy uh, he uh, he tried to play D a couple of shifts. That's Rasmus Dahlian after the game. It says the best to not comment after commenting on it. Um, I didn't think the JT Miller hit was a headshot. Like somebody's asking us, uh, can the league uh, Niz from Surrey can he still get supplementary discipline? Yeah, I mean the league can review anything. They can review it, yeah. and, and, and they I could. would just be surprised. His elbow's tucked completely, it's... and the, the, he makes initial contact with his shoulder. Arm is tucked into the chest, and yeah, it does make head contact, but it wasn't a clean headshot. Mm-hmm. And there's no way, in my estimation, that should have even been a penalty. But they call, hey, penalties get called. It went to review for a major, which at that stage it was called elbowing it was called yeah, the elbow- die is already cast at that stage so yeah so if they call an infraction and they're reviewing to see if it's a five minute major or two minute minor they can't rescind the entire penalty but they can not have it be a major mm-hmm. so that's why it was called elbowing officially but it really wasn't I, don't, I don't i didn't see anything dirty with that play at all the samuelson play he mentions he thought that was a headshot as well that one's like i'm not even sure fronick knows samuelson's there no. he's so sorona goes to the net and he's kind of doing a loop to get yeah. back to where he's supposed to be. And Samuelson's also skating towards the Sabres net, and he's looping the other way. And they just come together. I don't look at that and say that's an intentional. It's very unfortunate because you don't want to see headshots. Like I'm very pro protecting the head. And, you know, I don't know if we ever get to a stage of just making it automatic two minutes and just saying, hit to the head. Like, hey, there you go. Yeah. But. Like, I've had my own fair share of issues with concussions. I'm very protective of all that. But sometimes it's just to come together, and it's just unfortunate. 
I agree. And as far as the JT one, because that's the, the big one that um, people were talking about. And uh, we got a lot of messages from people that were listening to uh, the Buffalo feeds. And mm-hmm. listen, we hear from, you know, whether it's, you know, we pride ourselves, we try to be as, as impartial <laughs> as possible. But, you know, usually, you know, you can imagine uh, the home calls will shade towards the home sure. team sometimes. American broadcasts will be very tribal with their broadcasts. And that's fine. It's entertainment. Like, I'm not sitting here and begrudging them. So I'd be careful with reading too much into those announcers were really mad and they we're calling for blood and everything. It is what it is. Well, we're pretty tribal. We, well, at times we can be, yes. The point I'm making is, even if you're being uh, objective about it, there's really nothing there with a JT hit. There really wasn't. Yeah. I can get them wanting to respond because their top player got injured. I get that, but there really wasn't much there in my estimation. Uh, Powen uh, texting in, uh, JT reminds me of Kessler. Would love to see that in the playoffs. Well, we've seen JT here in the playoffs, 18 points in 17 games in the bubble, mind you, so you didn't get to see it live. But uh, JT, I know you talked about it on the pregame show, that it seems like everything JT does gets overlooked, and here he is like having this fantastic season, and all the talk has been about Elias Pettersson. Brock Besser, Quinn Hughes, Philip Pronick, and well-deserved. JT is uh, fourth in scoring. JT's making the All-Star game for the first time as a Canuck? Uh, yeah. Horvat's gone. Horvat's yeah, gone. He's gone. Hughes is gone. Yeah. Demko's gone. Demko went last year, didn't he? No, not last year was Patterson. The year before was yeah. Demko uh, when, when he went. So JT going to the All-Star game. I believe for the first, I don't believe in 2019. No, uh, has Demko gone? Yeah, Demko went two years ago, didn't he? I'm pretty sure he was there doing the thing. They did some videos with him. We chatted with him, I'm, I'm pretty sure, from the All-Star game two years ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could be wrong. So many things happen that I, you know, my memory at times can be uh, a little bit imperfect. Okay. Uh, we mentioned the Patrick Alvin mm-hmm. audio. He met with uh, Dan Murphy today during the intermission. I know people are wondering what he had to say. And, of course, was asked about trades, was asked about Elias Pettersson. But was Patty being tight lips? Well, Listen for yourself. Here's Patrick Alvin with Dan Murphy today. Just past the halfway point of the season here, I just want your overall thoughts about how things have gone so far. Yeah, uh, so far I'm very pleased to see the coaching staff and the players, the interaction, uh, the interaction between them, the trust between the players and the coach. And uh, both Tuck and I are process-driven people. And uh, for us, it's... uh, the wins and losses are, are a great indication how you play, but we believe in the process and we want to see how we get better every day, and I think that's uh, that's the approach we have. I know that you guys believed you had a playoff team, but I think probably so far the record has exceeded expectations. What do you think the main reasons for that are? Well, again, as I said, uh, it's great to see the players buying into how we want to play and um, how we do things every day. Um, credit to the coaching staff, their work ethic, and and how they're getting prepared every day to attack the players. Uh, as Jim Bradford said earlier in the season, if everything goes our way, we know we have a good good chance and, and we have a good team, but uh, we just continue with our uh, next day mentality. I know it sounds boring, but I think that's uh, what our coaching staff will focus on. Well, it has worked, definitely. When you acquired Hronik last season, did you envision him and Hughes as more than a situational pairing? Did you think that they would be playing together? You know what, uh, our scouts and uh, our analytic department talked about his strength and weaknesses and, and obviously his ability to move puck and skate. Uh, we know that uh, whoever the defenseman we had when we were starting the season would give the coaches different options. Uh, and so far, they've been playing real well together. And 
what we see at, at certain times in certain games, uh, coaches are not afraid to split up and, and uh, have them in a different uh, positions. Um, you've been a busy guy as a GM making trades. You've been aggressive. I wonder with the deadline less than two months away, have you changed the goalpost at all in terms of what you're looking to do considering where this team is in the standings? You know what? It's I, Jim and I are always talking about uh, how to how, how we try to get our team better and, and we're always looking at options at it. And I think at this point, I give uh, the players a lot of credit for the way they're playing. Uh, we haven't accomplished anything yet, so we will continue to uh, to look at options to make our team better. But that being said, we're, we're pleased how the players are performing here. Pedersen's contract is one that everybody wants to talk about. Safe to say the lines of communication are open. I know you don't discuss the, the details, but are the lines of communication open? Yeah, I mean, Elias has been a great player for Vancouver Canucks uh, the years he's been playing here. Um, I'm very pleased with Elias, uh, and he knows where he stands. He knows how much we want to keep him in, in Vancouver, and uh, we'll just continue to uh, to have a, a conversation here and see where where we both can come to an agreement. I know that he said one of the things he wanted to do was focus on playing, but he also said he wanted to play for a winning team. Do you think that this season, perhaps, that's obviously can't be a bad thing for going into negotiations? Well, I mean... Uh, Again, uh, I'm happy to see the players, uh, how they thrive under the structure that uh, Rick Tockett and his uh, coaching staff uh, implemented early in the year. And, uh, you know, we know that the second half, it's ain't going to get easier. It's just going to get harder. And, and that's what we're trying to prepare our team for. One last thing. Uh, before the season started, there was a report that uh, Garland's representatives were able to seek a trade partner. We haven't heard anything since then. Considering the way this team's played, and his role in that third line, which has been excellent, has that gone away? I give uh, Connor Garland a, a tons of credit uh, with all the outside noise that uh, was going around early when he uh, when he decided to change his uh, representative. Um, I think Connor and Teddy Bluger and uh, Dakota Yasha has been uh, one of the better third lines in uh, third line players in the league. Um, when Connor plays to his strength getting the puck down deep and, and move his feet is very effective playing for us. And Connor has been uh, been staying in the moment and, and playing great hockey for us. So uh, credit to Connor Garland. Well, we thank you for taking the time to talk with us about the state of this team and best of luck going forward. Thanks, sir. Appreciate it. And that is Patrick Alvin who chatted with Dan Murphy during an intermission on the TV broadcast. And, you know, mentions on Pedersen how... Obviously, they're open to discussions. Lines of communication are open. Didn't really re- reveal much. He's been very good at not revealing too much. Yeah, I didn't say a lot. Yeah, he's hoarse. Yeah, the voice is hoarse. Chris yeah. and Duncan texted in, uh, yeah. and he was saying, uh, Patrick, voice get hoarse by yelling um, uh, at the refs, hashtag horse voice. <laughs> and he also had another joke per 60. Patrick gets a horse voice by trying to get talked to play Quinn at center. <laughs> <laughs> How would Thatcher Demko do at center? He's 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 so good at goal. Would he would he be a good center? Uh, yeah, good he'd, size. He'd be just fine. He'd be fine. Island Joe says Pat, Patty Alvin smoked a pack of darts. No, I don't think he did. And William Langley, somebody give Patrick some halls, please. He sounds like Hank Voigt from Chicago PD. I'm not so I'm not quite sure what the reference. I think I know what he means. But to those who appreciate the reference, I'm sure yes. you enjoyed that text. But uh, you know, some praise for Conor Garland there. Yeah, uh, for the work he's done, and and that was the thing that we talked about as soon as the story came out. If if it translates into some you know, different effort for Connor Garland, okay, it's an issue. But does is anyone really concerned about Connor Garland not putting in the work and and not being, you know, putting in the effort on the ice? 
uh, that was never a scenario, and he's done fantastic. And then, yeah, just c- continues to echo the uh, we really like Petey and won't have to to stay here. Yeah, and uh, you know Patrick Alvin did speak with Ian McIntyre as well earlier this week. If you missed that article, you can check it out on Sportsnet.ca. Amongst all the other great things Ian writes about, and there's a reason we call him the Triple Threat. You read him on digital, you watch him on TV, and you hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. <laughs> Did you drop the phone again? <laughs> Almost. Almost. I kind of did. I dropped the ball because I was uh, I was on hold. Uh, Eddie called punctually, as he always does, and I was waiting to come on. And then I realized, you know what? I can't really uh, hear you guys as well without my ear pods in. So I used Jimmy's music to, <laughs> to find... It actually was quite efficient of me, I thought, because I had that thought to get the ear pods just as he started playing the music. And in that time, I put the phone down, got the ear pods out of my computer bag, because, of course, everything was packed up from my from my trip and uh, plugged them in and heard you ask, did I drop the phone? <laughs> I was worried there for a moment. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry about that. I'd like to apologize to all our radio listeners for the last minute. It's all my fault. Prepared. That's fine. That's all right. That's all. I mean, Apology yeah. accepted. Right. I'm giving. I thought Sat needed a minute to uh, to grieve. Uh, oh no! Grounds. No, he needs hours. Uh, oh, okay. I've, been, I've been trying to. I mean, you just reminded me again. He's, um, but, he, he's yeah. I've in real time watched him mentally compartmentalize it. And I can just see like the strain coming up. He's like, "All right, five thirty. I can re- the release of the failure of the Brown season is is upon him." Yeah, but you know what? It was remarkable considering they they didn't have a quarterback. So, yeah, no, I mean, listen, uh, it's been a great season. But let's let's not let's not spend too much time on this because I'm going to get too, uh, too frustrated here. And we've had people texting and be like, "Enough about the NFL. I don't care about the NFL. You guys are trying to cater to kids and all that." I'm like, "I'm, I'm just sad. That's really all I am." But um, yeah. as far as uh, what we saw between the Canucks and the Buffalo Sabers, I mean, it wasn't the Canucks' cleanest game, but I thought they did a pretty good job of not giving up too much, especially once they got through a little bit of a tough stretch in the first. Yeah, you know that uh, process that Rick Talkett always talks about and all our eyes glaze over, and I always wish yeah. he would say something more interesting than that when I ask him about the, the team. But it, it's bore, it may be boring to listen to, but it's effective on the ice. And I think what we saw, uh, especially over the final two periods and in the third period, like, you know, Buffalo had a couple of shots on the power play, and then when the goalie was out, they had a couple of shots at the end. Got almost nothing on the Canucks at five on five in the final period, the, the Vancouver was very good. And this is a game uh, first time in a long time. They've won a game with nothing from Pedersen, Besser or, or Miller. Uh, you know, the fourth line is the only line that generates a goal. And I, I thought they, they deserved a goal and I'm glad that Lafferty got it. Uh, the Canucks should have got a power play out of it, but I, I think they were probably lucky that they didn't fare worse uh, after the adjudication of the Miller hit on on Rasmus Dahlin a a couple of minutes later. But I thought the Canucks, you know, they kind of adapted 
to the game. And, and you always hear uh, the coach talk about trusting the system and relying on the system and sticking with the system. And tonight when, uh, or today, when, you know, this offensive wizardry that, that had wowed us as they rolled through New York and then into Pittsburgh on Thursday, that wasn't there today. But they adapted, and it did seem like they just kind of fell back on their system and their structure and the way they played, and and they won the game. And, of course, it helps that they have one of the best goalies in the league as well, in Thatcher Demko, and we haven't noticed him a whole lot. They, I mean, he's played solidly. He's done his part uh, on this road trip. But, you know, when, when a team is pumping in five or six goals a game, typically you're not going to be talking about that team's goalie at the end of it. And we haven't spent a lot of time talking about Demko lately. But when they needed him today, he, he, was, he was there. But uh, I was still, you know, I was still impressed by how they played. I, and frankly, I was imp- impressed by the level of uh, compete from the Sabres. You know, and it probably... Uh, stoked their combativeness i'm sure it did you know when they lost a couple of defensemen and and fortunately darlene came back samuelson didn't but it I, I thought buffalo you know played a hard game they weren't easy to they weren't an easy opponent and the canucks found a way to win a game in an entirely different way than than they had won the previous four and to me that was impressive yeah, it did feel like a lot of talkativisms coming together, right? Like here's this situation four and six games or four and six days, and you know we mentioned playing tired and playing in these close games, learning how to deal with this, and where we were say in November versus where we are now feels like such a growth by this team. Yeah, I mean it's actually five games in seven and a half days, um, and and you know they were. Again, the well, I think it was Tyler Myers who told me that he thought those three games in New York were were as well as they've they've played in accordance with their structure, their staples, their ideals, as well as they've played this year over a three game period. And I wouldn't argue with them uh, on that. And then they win uh, a, a much more competitive, feisty game in Pittsburgh, and and now they win this low-scoring, low-event, grind-it-out uh, kind of game. And, you know, it. I think it was also Myers who told me on the road trip that, you know, their consistency and their ability to get through. Uh, and he was talking about, you know, bad spells in games, you know, their, their resilience. And I don't think the Canucks really had a bad spell in this game. There was this period there in the middle of the first period where Buffalo was clearly the better team. They had a couple of scoring chances. But I, I thought the Canucks were pretty solid throughout. But but Meyer's point was they they sort of adjust and they get through whatever periods, whatever spells they need to get through. And that 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 was something they didn't do the last three years. And uh, you know, I think you could look at today's game where okay the offense isn't going. The lotto line isn't on, at least not on like, like we'd we'd been seeing. And you know, Buffalo is not giving them a whole lot, and it, it's a different kind of game. But it's still one that the Canucks, you know, adapted to and, and found a way to win. And and even 
at times when I think they were going well uh, the last three years, the wins were all of sort of uh, a cookie cutter type. You know, they, they scored, a lot, basically scored a lot of goals and they won. If they didn't score a lot of goals, they didn't win. Well, they score one today and they win. And uh, I, I think it's a, I think it's a real good sign for them that they can play a game like this. Even if it's, I know people say, well, it's just Buffalo. Yeah, but you know, there's some good players on that team and players like Thompson uh, are a handful. And, you know, I thought the Canucks handled it well. You know what? And I know when people mention that sort of stuff, I think it make it, it's does such a disservice to the level of play in the National Hockey League. And winning any game is not easy enough to do. And when the Canucks are off, to, I mean, earlier this season, people were like, "Well, they haven't beat any good teams. They go off and beat a bunch of good teams." And people were like, "Well, you know, they only beat the Buffalo Sabers. Not that impressive." It's like, what is impressive for people then? Do you have to win the Stanley yeah. Cup in sixteen, like what sixteen straight victories in the postseason or something? Like, I I find yeah. the goalposts for what's impressive and whether the Canucks are good or not keep getting moved, and all they do is answer them. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and and I'm frustrated by that as well. Sad. I think I think there are some people who will move the goalposts, and so then just winning isn't enough. Then you have to win a certain way, and then you have to win a certain way against certain teams, and then even if you do that, well, it's only the regular season. Now you have to yeah. do it in the playoffs. You know, you can only play. You can only play what's in front of you. You can mm-hmm. only play who's in front of you. And you're constantly adapting to circumstance. One of the great things about pro sports, and this is why I say it's the best reality television there is, is because it's like a fingerprint. There are no no two games identically the same. There's constantly, you know, it's not only, uh, you know, the players and different teams and different coaches and different ideals, but the game's constantly changing and flowing and and turning directions within the game. There's all kinds of plot twists. And basically the challenge of being a good team is that you just adjust as you go and, and you win this way and you win that way and, and you stay within your system and you don't, you don't get frustrated. You don't take penalties. You don't, you don't take chances. You know, how many, How many times in the last three years had the Canucks had a game like this where, well, first of all, there weren't many games where they were expected to win, but yeah, they have a game like this and it's not easy, not as easy as maybe uh, some people thought it would be. And the offense isn't working. How many times in the last three years do you think we would have seen the Canucks try to open up and you see guys taking, taking risks, to try to score those goals because they feel like, well, we haven't scored. We got like, let's do something. And it, and of course you put yourself at risk when you play that way. And the other team scores. Uh, I think we saw that innumerable times uh, over in recent years. And so today when things aren't going well, and it really helped that they did get the goal by Lafferty early in the second, you know, they played most of the game with the lead. Uh, but you know, the, they never they never seem to deviate. They never seem to put themselves at risk or try to try to do something to generate offense other than what the systems allow them to do. 
news came out after the game, and and they were deserving, and they are worthy of it. I'm I'm still a little surprised that it came to be that uh, the Vancouver Canucks will have uh, five player reps and the coach going to the All Star <laughs> game. It's uh, yeah. it's, it's it's unbelievable, but a testament to what they've done this season. Yes. And and we can stuff the ballot box like few markets can, <laughs> but luckily, luckily it's deserving. What was the name of the? I'm just drawing a blank here, and I should remember because he played for Buffalo as well. He came to the Canucks, and there was like a mail-in. A Rory Fitzpatrick. Ro- thank you. Yes. Thank you. How, Vote for I Rory. How I could forget that? Yeah. I was just I drew a blank. But it's one thing, you know, uh, Rory Fitzpatrick and and or whoever else gets voted into the game and it's kind of like a a protest vote or a political mm-hmm. statement or or just fans having fun which is fine the whole idea if you open up your game to fan voting then you know you're going to take whoever the fans vote i think i think at least in this case even though even though the vancouver market got out there in mass and people vote voted multiple times uh which you're allowed to do uh, they try to do it in the U.S. in elections too, but it doesn't work so well there. But at <laughs> least the players who are going, I think we would say, uh, are worthy. And I think most people would say, not only in our market, if if you look at the seasons those guys have had, I, I think it's tough to argue against uh, against anybody. And you know, it it does it looks strange. There's so much parity. There's so many good teams in the West, and there's not a whole lot between them right now so it looks odd that you're going to have five players from one team there uh but you know what a year it's been and what a season those guys are having and uh i'm happy for them i don't know if they're entirely thrilled themselves uh because i know that the the season is a grind and the guys do need uh some time off and they look forward to that break but it is it is a tremendous accomplishment. It's a tr- tremendous accomplishment for the franchise as well with what we've seen in recent years. Yeah, JT Miller going to his first career All-Star game, and it's pretty remarkable, Ian, he's doing so, and he's ha- he has 357 points in 326 games in his career as a Vancouver Canuck. And uh, a few guys to choose from over the years, not for successful teams, but obviously a lot of firepower. And you're right, they all deserve it very much. And uh, that brings us to the end of the show, Ian. Um, and we'll see ultimately, are we going to be chatting on Monday or is that game going to get postponed if the Canucks can't get out of uh, Buffalo by tomorrow? Well, I think the fact that it's a day game today uh, gives them some leeway. I'd be, it would, you know, it takes a lot for the NHL to, um, to postpone a game, mm-hmm. but obviously if the Canucks can't get there, they can't get there, but they have uh, at least the extra half day on their side by playing, by playing so early today. Yeah. So we'll see ultimately if they can get, I out. guess it's not even, I guess it's not even a half day, but they have a few more hours on their side. So yeah. uh, I think, I think there's going to be a game on, on Monday. Well, we hope so. Cause we look forward to chatting with you on the post game show as always. And uh, reading your latest on sportsnet.ca, which is always terrific. Well, thank you, guys. And I'll try to have my ear, ear pods ready. <laughs> it's kind of a new thing that I've gone to this year. It, it's it's because I've always just you know held the phone to my ear. Yeah. But the, the sound quality, I can hear you guys so well with the pods in. You, you sound terrific. Break out the rotary phone like, next time. <laughs> you sound like you're in the same room. We actually are for once. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, great yeah. stuff as always, well, Ian. All right, guys. We'll talk to you on Monday, I hope.
Yes, let's hope so. Thanks so much. That is Ian McIntyre, the triple threat, the closer, closing out the show here tonight. Uh, and as always, a presentation of Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. Bick, well, um, and enjoy Monday, potentially. We'll, potentially, we'll find out. And the Canucks again uh, did not are not leaving Buffalo today, so we'll keep our eyes on uh, what their travel plans are going to be and whether the game is a go on Monday, 10 a.m. Pacific start time. Halford and Bruff take it to nine, and then myself and Dan reach you have pregame nine to ten TV on Monday. We're supposed to be on TV nine thirty. It's going to be bright and early. Breakfast. Breakfast and TV, yeah. Spro and TV. I'm doing a hit with Halford and Bruff at 8.30 that morning as well. So I'll be up bright and early on Monday if, if the game is a go. So we'll find out. Uh, thanks to everybody listening and participating on the post-game show. Appreciate every single one of you. Somebody please be my wake-up call. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can get up a bit later. You don't have to get in here until about 10 o'clock, so you're all right. Uh, thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show. Always a pleasure. And to all you listening, this has been the Canuck Central post-game show presented by the number five Orange. So the game is over, but is your day really done? The number five is o- is open. More coming up in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.